My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. All right, I'm going to just be straight up with you guys and boys that listen to my podcast on the 40-plus Today, we're going to do a dueling coach sort of conversation because, you know, sometimes you just got to go, I am, I am not the only voice out here that can really help you guys figure stuff out. And this guy that I'm going to bring on, he is truly helping gay men, queer men dive into deeper areas of their truth in the world. He's been doing this for a while. He's actually been coaching for a little bit longer than I have. And as we all kind of do, we come to this space where we're like, hey, I think this is really where I need to be putting my efforts. And he is truly helping queer men get to that essence, to that deep, deep core of who they are, so they can really express themselves in the world. His name is Brian Madigan. He is known as the Gay Guru Coach, and I love that. I'm like, bitch, I don't know why I didn't figure that out first. (laughs) But anyway, Brian, I'm looking forward to this, man. I'm so glad. I don't know. I don't even remember how we got connected, but I know through the ethers of the internet, you know, you were probably whoring out on some corner on the internet, and I said, He's kind of handsome. I think he could be on my podcast, and off we went. Do this. So, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Good so, to be here. Uh, and, and he's hailing from lovely Vancouver, Canada. So uh, mm-hmm. very cool. It's probably kind of chilly up there, right? It's really chilly today. Like it's right. usually almost spring here by now, but we're getting some yeah. really cold weather. It feels like I grew up in Montreal, and it feels like I'm home, which is not where I want to be in the winter. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. So, uh, so yeah. So coaching. You must love this. You've been doing it for what, 15 years? Yeah, about 15 years. Mixed it with a whole bunch of other stuff at the beginning. Just, yeah, but love it, love it. Love watching people change. Um, And after I saw some really great results with the women I was working with, I just wanted to bring this to gay men because I thought, you know what? Our community needs more people like you and me helping people figure their stuff out you know because yeah. there's a and it's, and it's hard it's hard to find professionals who get who get the journey who get what it's like and uh, i think it's really important for us to be out in the world doing this kind of work i do too and and you know a lot of times i get the question which i'm sure you've gotten too is okay well what what's different with a coach versus a therapist i'm like really girl you want to unpack that one because that's like a that's a biggie right there there's a lot of diff- i mean there's a lot of similarity but there is a lot of difference too when it comes down to it and I've found in my world, which I think is probably very similar to yours, it's really about activating with somebody who's like, okay, I'm ready to do something, but I'm just not getting it done. I have something I want to achieve, but I'm not able to tap into it. It's not because there's something that's like deep seated wounding. That's like, okay, we've got to go like unpack a whole lot of, you know, psychological therapeutic sort of stuff, but I'm curious, you've probably been there, right? And people ask that question. Yeah, oh yeah. Lots, lots. And you know, I mean, I do some, I do some of that kind of therapeutic unpacking stuff because of the neurolinguistic programming, right? So it does give us an ability to do some of that. Um, but you know, for me, it's kind of like, yeah, listen, there's, there's a place in the world for, for psychotherapy, for, for therapists, for counselors, for all of those kinds of things. For me, I think a coach, we have a lot more leeway to use tools, to use different kinds of tools. You know, I'm coming from a fairly funky spiritual background and I can bring that stuff in if I want to. So I don't feel, you know, I I originally actually wanted to be a therapist when I was in high school and decided I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, the shackles 
of yeah. traditional therapy and, you know, having to be, you know, uh, judged by a college and limited in what you can do with people would never have felt okay for me. I would have been a maverick anyway, and I probably right. would have I ended would have up too. doing my own thing. I, I got to that juncture. In fact, before I decided to be a coach, I had ended my quote professional. Well, I'd had my professional career ended for me. I'm like, I am not doing this again. I am sick and tired of being in the technology world and getting laid off. So nope, going to go figure something out. And I, I really explored therapy and I'm like, I don't know, I got to go to this many more years of school. And then I got to go into like internship and then I got to like, and okay, I'm going to confess. I just don't want to have to record and like make notes and turn this crap in and deal with insurance and just not me. I, I like you said, I, I didn't like the feeling of being sh shackled and strangled at all. It just... Mm -hmm. If I'm yeah, going to be know, shackled, it's got to be, there's got to be a good reason that I'm shackled. Yeah. Oh yeah. For, for, yeah. In the right yeah. context, shackles are right. fine, but you know, not much, so much at work. <laughs> so uh, that's what me. I love that we can <laughs> do with it when it's a game. For some people at work too, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think it's just that, and I know, you know, I know I have a few, a couple of close friends and a few sort of acquaintances who are therapists and counselors who have bailed and become coaches mm -hmm. because they just felt too limited in what they could do, particularly when you know you're in our community and things need to be more edgy and honest. And there's places you need to go with people that a therapist just can't go. Right. But I think that's part of it too, right? Helping people work out through their issues around their sexuality and those kinds of things are not things that are easy. It's a very, very difficult line, I think, for a lot of therapists to skate and we can just cross over and do what we right. need to do. Right. right. And, and also I think for, and not every client. Okay. So I, I can say this too. Not every client is a good match for a coach because there mm -hmm. is some deeper seated stuff that's got to get really, really dug into and worked through. But I know for me, I mean, I've had, high levels of success. And I saw this on your site too, where I'll have clients that are working with me and a therapist and, and they're catapulting, you know, they're blowing through and they're getting amazing things done. But, um, I also have found that sometimes, you know, I, I just recently got a brand new client who's like, I've been through a lot of therapy and I've made more strides in a couple of months. And I said, well, of course, bitch, because I have the gay magic wand, which all of us gay coaches get. We like yeah. Harry Potter with a rainbow. So <laughs> or Glinda, it just depends on or what you're Glinda, yes, yeah, 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 Exactly. <laughs> I'm popular. I'm so, so um, but um, yeah, it's interesting. So what are you seeing as kind of because I've seen this in my so let's see, you're 15 years into this. I'm close to that because I started coaching in 2009. So I'm probably about 13 years at this point. But um, what are some of the trends you're seeing right now as you're coaching? Like, is there a certain thing that guys are coming to you for the most right now? There are a lot of guys showing up trying to figure out finding the guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially when we're looking at the 40 plus crowd, which drives me crazy, by the way, how do we think we're old at 40? But anyhow, <laughs> I don't know, but it's there. It's reality. I don't know. Sure. I, I'm, I'm 58 and I'm like, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not 60. Feeling, it's like, I'm not I, feeling feel old. I mean, yes, there's, there's pieces of it that fill the age. Trust me. I'm like, okay. Those little body parts every once in a while, like, okay, will you just go away and like bring back the 30 year old again, you know? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. There's, there's definitely some trends. So let's talk about those so trends. Like now. that, that hopelessness that I think people feel in terms of finding it. And I think that part of it is our, our just misunderstanding about our ability to find partners when we're older. I mean, I met my husband when I was 45 and he was 54. And, you know, I'm 60, he's turning 70 this week. Like, you know, we've been together a long time. And, um, 
it's just I, I think if something happened and I had to do it all over again, I have no doubt that I would be able to find somebody. Um, and I think the other thing that really gets in the way, and I think it's a big, strangely a big theme among gay men, because I wouldn't have thought it would be, is this idea that there's this one person, and when you find that one person, it's going to be perfect and it's meant to be, and as soon as that person doesn't meet everything you want, you're done. It's kind of like mm -hmm. that is a, that is a recipe for being alone for the rest of your life. And I think that's one of the it's the thing is a big problem in our culture to begin with. But oh, it's huge. I was really surprised how prevalent that is with gay men it's kind of like okay we should all have had enough experience to realize that we're kind of attracted to lots of different people and chemistry mm -hmm. is there and if chemistry is there and there's some values in common you can make something work you just have to realize nobody is going to have everything you want i always find it interesting when we have these conversations because i'm like i wonder what the planet like literally what the planet would be like if everybody was polyamorous like, I just, I wonder how different the world would be because I think there would be so much bullshit that <laughs> would be gone. The control and the ownership and this is my husband. I mean, okay, what we're going to have to, we got to say stuff like that to put the label on it. Like, okay, this is who yeah, I'm absolutely. connected to, you know, but my husband and I have talked about this numerous times about like, what if this was just not the way it was, you know, of course there's, as I say that there are people who won't ever listen to this podcast that just clutch their pearls big time. Like, <gasps> Oh my God, I can't believe you would think that the world could do that. But I find it really interesting. And especially, okay. A gay man of a certain age, like you and I, we've kind of seen, <laughs> we've Been seen there done that. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I love my husband to death. No doubt about it. But there's also this piece of, is he my everything? Yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort but of. But I don't make him my everything that I live and breathe on. My God, that's a huge responsibility to put on another person. It is. And it's suffocating for both of you, I think, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think it's this whole idea that one person should be able to give us everything. And, you know, I think in previous generations, you know, like my grandparents were married for 71 years before my grandmother passed. My parents, I think they're 65 or 66 already. And it's kind of like, but their whole worlds revolve around each other, but they don't really need very much. They haven't really changed very much since I was a kid. They don't really grow the same way that we do. And all of a sudden, we have these growth edges that we're pushing in. We need the varieties of people to explore with. And that doesn't just have to be sexual, but it can be, you know. And it's. I think that, honestly, um, it's interesting. When we opened, my husband was really looking for sports sex. That was really his motivation for opening mm -hmm. the relationship. My motivation was a relationship. I wanted to find... A boyfriend kind of a high school boyfriend let's hang out let's you know whatever let's be nice and quiet and calm together because jack is totally not like that and so he ended up finding a guy that he connected with really strongly they've been going for about three years now just over three years they see each other every once in a while he lives in palm springs and it's just like it's nice and at the beginning it was weird and it was hard and we had a lot of stuff to work through i mean that's the thing you got to be prepared for right and i would say if you're going to venture down this road you should probably have somebody who's going to deal with you as a couple and you should both each have a coach or, th or somebody to talk to, to work yep. through all this stuff. Cause it is, it's hard because it we're programmed to think a whole bunch of ways about these things that don't necessarily support a healthy relationship. Right. But I think it's been brilliant for us, honestly. I think it's interesting too. And I don't know, you know, you, you shared with me before we started the podcast that, you know, your husband is similar to me in that he had been married and came out of the closet and everything. I find it really interesting that guys like that, so guys like me and him, um, 
they do kind of come into this gay world with kind of that expectation of, okay, I'm going to find my next, you know, forever person. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, well, oh, but, oh, uh, he looks like he could be a, oh, wait, he looks like he could be, oh, look at that one. He's really hung. He looks like he could be a forever, you know. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like, they don't know what, I, I know I didn't. I didn't know what to do with those thoughts, even though, okay, anybody who's listened to my podcast know I was I was a dirty hoe when I was married, all that stuff. I admit it. I'm not proud of it. But you would have thought that this guy, me, who had had a lot of sexual experience prior to coming out, would have been like, okay, I get this. And suddenly I was like, oh, this, is a, this is the road. This is where I'm going. Da, 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 da. And here's the interesting intersection that happened for me. And it came from my upbringing. So again, my parents, God bless them. They're still together. And my God, they should not be. But um, I realized that was the tone that got set for me. And it not only got set in relationships, it kind of got set in friendships. It kind of got set in how I looked at work. It got, I mean, there was just, and boy, talk about unpacking. And yes, I've, I've had my fair share of therapy, boys where I had to really unpack all that. Like, wait, nothing can be your end all be all, nothing. And now I don't hold anything to that expectation. And I think this is something a lot of gay men struggle with is the job, the relationship, the this, the that. It becomes their everything. It's like, bitch, <laughs> you're not a whole lot, it's your everything. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's just cultural programming for all of us, right? We also, I mean, certainly men always struggle with work being everything. That's just something. And that's interesting, you know, helping people through career transitions, which are often happening in the 40, late 40s, yeah. even into 50s. It's like, that's a tough moment, right? Where all of a sudden, this thing that you defined your whole life by has changed. And I think it's the same thing for guys who come out later. Mm -hmm. You know, having come out as a teenager... You know, and I grew up in Montreal, a, a city where, you know, the drinking age is 18 and really you can get into bars at 16 years old if you've got the right friends. And right. that was happening. This youth group, this, we would go out and we would be around and these drag queens would hurdle us all together and make sure no, you know, no one was bothering us all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we just, nobody took advantage of us. It was a very safe space for us. Nowhere else safe for us to go back. It was the seventies. Right. There was nowhere else safe for us to go. And, but I think it's like, you sort of grew up with this idea that, okay, all of this stuff may be culturally makes a whole lot of sense but this whole thing around sexuality and relationships you know i was always a very relationship oriented person but for me what that showed up as was like let's just get that new relationship energy go for that three to six months and move on and just keep on going and keep on going and then in the midst of it i'd find these guys that i really like and settle down and I'd settle down for about nine years. This was my pattern. You know, with Jack mm -hmm. and I, and Jack had the same pattern with his wife and then with a couple of boyfriends after. And when we got together, we said, we are going to celebrate that crap out of our 10th anniversary because neither one of us has never made it that far before. <laughs> and now for me, it's not like, yeah, it's like we're really great life partners together. And that's a perfect role for us both to be in with each other. But we both are very different. And in order for us to really have rounded lives, we need a level of independence that is not particularly heteronormative. We live in separate spaces right now because it works better for both of us. We spend a lot of time together and spend time sleeping at each other's places and stuff. We own both places together. So it's still very much a partnership thing, but that level of independence for me, is just the way you continue to grow and develop and, and keep yourself sane. And I think that for men particularly, it's probably a better model. I agree. And it's something that I have struggled with and I'm, I'm much better about it, but I mean, here I am, like I said, I'm 58 years old 
I have not lived alone except for a very brief period right out of college and when the kids were young uh, every uh, you know every few days I had time alone but I, I never have really lived alone I have never like here this is Rick's place this is you know Rick did this and I'm not regretting any of that, but I lovingly, and my husband knows this because I've said it many, many times. If anything ever happened to him, I wouldn't, I would not be going and seeking anything else out because that would be my turn to like, okay, I'm going to do this now, you know, and I'm not saying I want to go do it. I'm just saying, this is, you know, how I think, and I'm probably going to go before him because I have a heck of a lot more like, okay, well, you've had a stroke, you've had this, you know, that. You know, but it's an interesting thing that I see in a lot of men, especially those who come out late in life, they haven't experienced independence. And that can be a huge, huge challenge in relationships and in other areas of your life. In fact, I see it a lot with, with guys who struggle with making friends. It's because they latch on to friends the same way they latch on to a man. Strangling everybody. Yeah, exactly. God forbid what they must do. God forbid what they must do with a dick in bed if they strangle a guy that hard. You know, I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I'd want to be playing with you. But yeah, I was kind of similar. Like, I honestly didn't have a lot of time. You know, I lived alone for a couple of years before my first partner and then sort of a, a transition in that relationship. But there was always roommates then. And then maybe a couple of years between my last partner and Jack. There was never, I think that's what it was at some point. I'm just like, I just need to live alone for a while. I really need a space that's mine. And I just need to be in my own space for a while and see how that goes. You know, we recognize there's probably a moment in life where you know, we're going to get to a certain age that we want to come back together, mm-hmm. hopefully for good reasons, but maybe not so much. And that'll probably happen. But for now, it just seems that independence seems to be really, really helping our relationship. Like we're way closer. We're made more honest. Than we're just. So I think between the, the set, you know, the sort of independence living spaces and the open relationship, which kind of happened around the same time, not right. related necessarily we've really enriched our relationship and I think we're much more solid with each other. I think it's super important for people to be very on the table with each other about what they're looking for in terms of, you know, the monogamy versus polyamory spectrum when they're at the moment that they're starting to get serious because Mm -hmm. it's a deal breaker for a lot of people. You know, I've always liked, I like a few years of monogamy. Let's build some, you know, let's build some trust. Let's build some really solid foundation. I like five years personally seems to be my magic number, but some people don't need that or want that. You know, some people want monogamy forever and you got to be open about it because this relationship is not going to survive if that one thing is completely Mm -hmm. opposing. You're never going to make it work. Yep. And and then you end up in that's where... Oh, that, yeah, that's where the distrust and everything else starts showing up. But what I find even more interesting about all of that is I also see this interesting connection to how guys show up in their work life, because who you are, what's the thing? um, What's the statement I use a lot of times? um, You can't, well, you can't get away from yourself, but who you are at work is the same as who you are in life and who you are in life is the same as who you are at work. People think, okay, this is how I am at work. And this is a, no, you're it. <laughs> yes. There's variances, how we do things and work and stuff, but you can't get away from 
the core of who you are. So start really getting to know that piece, which I think is a lot of the, you know, you, you do a lot of that work. Like let's get to the core essence, like get down in here because you can't suddenly get to midlife, whether it's about an open relationship or a career change or anything, if you don't know who the fuck you are. And a lot of us don't. And a well, lot I of do. us don't. A lot don't, of, don't, I, don't go putting that on me. I know exactly. No, I'm I kidding. know who I am. Don't worry about that. Okay, <laughs> so you and I, you, yeah, you, you and I are exceptions. And there's lots, listen, there are lots of exceptions. I think probably most of our clients have become exceptions to that rule. But it's like, this is the thing, right? It's like, you know, you, you're engaging with people who are, you know, in their 40s or 50s or 60s even. And you're like, wow, this guy has no idea who he really is. We got to figure this out because nothing is going to be successful. Career, relationship anything is going to be successful unless you know who you are and can be true that you how can you be true to who you are unless you know who it is and it's so interesting to have those conversations because i i work i'm working with a client right now who it's a lot more about career than anything yeah he's got some he wants a relationship and you know it all works together you know we'll start one place it's like well you know that's what you say but but actually there's all this other stuff that's really what was going on and when I ha- asked the question, like, okay, well, who do you believe you are? I didn't say, who are you? Like, who do you believe you are? And the word believe is the key why I ask it that way. Yeah. Because what I'm trying to get is them to like, oh, this is who I am. I'm like, okay. But I hear that. Now, who are you? Well, I just told you. No, I said, who do you believe you are? <laughs> and it like really stumps them because it's like, some of that's probably who they are, but not all of what you just rattled off because I kind of like did the coach trick you into saying something that really gets you talking about this, you know? And it was interesting to hear this particular client. He was about, I don't know, he was probably about 30 seconds to a minute into saying who he believed he was. And I'm just sitting there, you know, doing what I do, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He goes, wait, what was the question again? I said, who do you believe you are? He goes, oh, I thought you asked me who I was. I'm like, oh, this one's pretty aware. But it was interesting. It took him that minute to kind of wait, hold on. And things started registering. I said, what difference does it make? He goes, it makes all the difference in the world. And I said, so why did you do the believe? But now you're catching yourself. He goes, I don't know. And that was a really beautiful moment because mm-hmm. suddenly the story he had created about who he believed he was, was what he tries to put out into the world. This is what I'll let you see. This is how I want you to see me as. And I said, what if the world saw what you truly are? And he, I thought, yeah, exactly. He got scared. And, you know, here's the thing. If you have this whole mass game thing going on, I think better better at this than women, actually. It's interesting. I think women have this, it goes on much more superficially, but I think for men, it's much more intense, like as a persona. We yes. project this thing of who we are. And yep. if somebody doesn't like that, not so hard. Mm-hmm. Not pleasant, but not so hard. You right. go out there and you're you, like unabashedly, honestly you, and they don't like you, that's a lot harder to deal with because they're not liking who you really are. But the problem is people don't recognize that the people who like the mask don't like you. Mm-hmm. Nobody really likes you because you're not letting anybody see who you are. And that's mm-hmm. even sometimes to the point of I've worked with people who are having really 
challenging relationship problems. I'm like, the only problem here is that you're not showing up as who you are. You're wearing that mask with your partner and that is never gonna work because in a relationship, an intimate relationship, the mask is gonna crack and they're gonna see who you really are. And how are they supposed to deal with these two people right. they're in a relationship with, right? Right, right. You know, uh, and it was interesting to watch myself come into my own after I came out. And I met my husband like three years, about three years after I came out. So I was still a baby. I mean, I was still like, I mean, I was, I was unraveling the pieces that I'm like, okay, oh, I get to be this now. Oh, I get to be this now, you know? And it was interesting to finally see myself get really real because it was okay, but I'm going to lose him if I'm really real. Oh, but I'm going to lose him if I'm really real. Oh, wait. And he finally said to me one day, he goes, knock that shit off, man. I see you. I see who you are. I wouldn't be standing here if I didn't see who you are. And I thought, okay, but, but is that me? And that was a good check-in moment. Cause I'm like, yeah, okay. This is, yep. No, yep. That's yep. I mean, there was evolving as we all continue to do, but I, I feel like a lot of beautiful gay men, which I think all men, gay men are beautiful. You may not believe it guys who are listening. Like I'm not, but they don't let people see who they are because they're afraid that if they let that show, nobody's going to like me. Because Isn't we've it? been taught and then experienced that there's something essentially wrong with us for being yeah. gay. Yep. Yep. Essentially at our core, there's something wrong and it's just not true. Mm -mm. In fact, there may be something more right about us because of everything we've had to go through to learn to be honest with ourselves and to be able to be who we are and to push against those cultural boundaries that make no sense for us. Mm -hmm. Right. So I agree it's with you. I think gay men are beautiful. It's, it's been interesting just in the last um, week, we went to see our oldest daughter and her boyfriend and I don't know, we were having wine and they're like, have you seen this show? And I'm like, no, no, we got to watch this. And, and, I'm sure as soon as I say that some of the listeners are going, oh, yeah, I know this show. And it's called Love is Blind. It's on Netflix. And it's this whole experiment of being in these pods and you create this relationship with this person. And then suddenly you tell them you're in love with them and you want you ask them to marry them. And you've never even seen them yet. And of course, I'm just like, oh, this is a freaking Petri dish in and of itself to watch right. this whole thing. Unfold. Almost as insane as online dating. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, exactly. Really? How do you, you know, it's like, I have a, I have a, a, I've had a couple of clients, younger people for the most part. I think our generation's not quite there with this. And this guy is bisexual. Awesome. Let's figure that out for you. Let's help you work through that because it's, it's, you know, it's, you really got to understand, you got to embrace both sides of this, right? You can't. Right. And he talks, have you been in a relationship? Yeah, I've been in a relationship for, the, I was in a relationship for one for two years. It was kind of a long distance thing, long distance, like she was in the Middle East and they never met. And he legitimately felt that he was in a full-on romantic relationship with this person who he'd never seen, never had sex with, never kissed, never hugged. I'm like, wow, okay, gonna have to be a good coach and just accept him for where he's at. But holy yep. moly, because you know, for me, it's like I can't, I can't get chemistry off a picture of someone online. I need to actually see them to know. He can be the most beautiful, physically attractive, perfectly my type guy, and the minute we're in proximity of each other, I go, okay, this is not gonna work. Mm because the chemistry is not right. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, and, and that with like, not even I'm going to marry you before I even see you, I can love you the idea of you, but this is just an idea of right. you. Right. And that's the whole problem. Stop mm -hmm. loving ideas of people and let's get really with each other so we can actually love each other instead of the, an idea about what but you just is. brought up something really important that is really super prevalent in our 
Okay, I'm going to generalize about the gay world right quick Let's here, go. guys. <laughs> but it's really prevalent in the app world. It's like you fall in love with the ideal of this guy on Scruff, on Grinder, whoever it is. And suddenly you're like, oh, this could be my forever guy. You haven't even met the guy yet. You haven't even. And I'm like, okay, again, I, I can say this. And if I was coaching somebody, I couldn't go like, bitch, wake up. <laughs> You know, but I'm like, this is something that is so interesting. And it's not just our gay community. I realize that. But this whole online app thing is such a Petri dish of masks and expectations and beliefs because it's literally right in the palm of our hand and it can give mm -hmm. us immediate gratification and immediate self-hate like in a nanosecond. Yeah. And you know, I'm that guy. I'm the guy who looks at a fish and goes, mm, I wonder what he'd be like. Wouldn't he be fun to have as a boyfriend? And But I recognize that in myself. And I know that that part of me, whatever that part of me is, is like 15 years old. And I'm not letting him run the show because it's really not helpful. It's like, very nice that you think he's gorgeous and adorable. Let's meet him and see if we even want to be with him first. And then let's get to know him for a little while before we decide mm -hmm. that we're going to leave our husband and marry him. It's like, wow, calm down, everybody calm down and i think yeah you're right that the 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 potential you know it's dopamine hits right yep Ooh, i get a big dopamine hit when everyone when, and when anyone swipes right on me Ooh, that's great right. somebody likes me awesome but not really because all they're right. seeing is a picture and you curate your pictures i don't think anybody oh, yeah. anybody like you know anybody who doesn't curate their pictures is not getting a whole lot of attention this is the me that i'm going to show on grinder Yep. This is the me that I'm going to show on Scruff. This is the me that I'm going to show on Tinder. And it's like, okay, these are all interesting. So I've actually asked clients who are in the middle of sort of searching, where they search, what did they do? I said, okay, I want, I'm I want to see your profiles. Mm -hmm. And I actually sit there sometimes and go, isn't it interesting that your Tinder profile, which is where you're looking for love, and your Grindr profile, which is where you're actually looking for love, but pretending you're looking for something else, right. are completely different. Not yep. even the same person. Pictures, not even close to the same pictures. It's like, how do you think somewhere in the middle is the real you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're ever going to find the right person if you're projecting? Yep bullshit in both right. directions right? every once in a while i do this just for shits and giggles <laughs> so i'll take my scruff profile and i'll put my headshot like my professional headshot on there which is airbrushed <laughs> okay i'm really confessing stuff here guys it's been airbrushed and everything the, these little bags that are under my eyes they, they don't exist on that shot and i'll put that up and immediately like boom, 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 boom. I'll take that one down and I'll take some casual picture that I probably snapped last weekend when we we're out on a hike and put that up. Crickets. And I'm like, it is so interesting to watch this happen, you know, because anybody who plays on these apps knows that, especially on Scruff, you'll get that little notification. Oh, such and so that you follow or you've chatted with just uploaded new photos. And I love to fuck with them. I mean, okay, I'm confessing a whole lot of stuff here, but it's so <laughs> interesting to watch happen because right. it shows. And I confess, I, I, I will be the first to bat my eyes at a really like sexy, scruffy guy. I'm like, oh, look at that one. I don't know shit about him. He could be the biggest asshole in the world, you know? And no funny bed, and you're not going to know to you meet Exactly. Him. <laughs> and if, if if there's, you know, if there's no junk downstairs, I don't know. I'm not a size queen, but they've got, you know, anyway. So speaking of kind of junk downstairs, this is another trend I've seen in the guys over 40. The complete dissatisfaction with their professional life. Yet they have no freaking clue how to walk away from it and go do something else. 
because it's a hard thing to do on a lot of levels and i don't think anyone's really ready for it like Mm -hmm. okay there's the whole income thing and the income thing i was very fortunate that the income thing kind of got taken care of for me i you know (laughs) my husband made enough money that it was like okay we don't need you to make money for a while go do something you love finally go do something because you hate this and it's killing you and i don't want you to do it anymore awesome so that's one consideration but it's really not the hardest consideration figuring out the money is not the hardest thing it's the identity hit that people are just not prepared for and that's really underneath it all that's where the fear is really coming from it's not coming from i'm never going to make it i'm never going to be able to make money you know how to make money you know how to make money you'll be fine but it's like i'm losing my identity as this person who's successful in this way that's very societally acceptable and this is how it is and that's who i am and i define myself by that success and therefore it's terrifying to even imagine walking away from that and that's at the root of it i think for most guys and when i have that guy which I've had a lot of those like over the last, I, I've seen more. Well, yeah, definitely during this whole lovely little pandemic we've been like playing around with <laughs> lately, but I've seen a lot of guys where it's like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is what I'm, this is my essence, this career, this, this level of income, this, this is me. And yet something you just said, it's like that losing their identity to this what I do is flip it right around. I said, so tell me the last time you also lost your identity. And they're like, I don't know what the hell you're asking. I'm like, no, just think about it. When was one of the biggest moments in your life that you lost your identity? And usually it'll click, I guess, when I came out of the closet, I'm like, bravo. Guess what? We're going to go play now. Same thing, right? Same thing. It's, huge. it's coming out, just a different kind of coming out. It is. We're going to bring me out. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I'll encourage clients who really don't, they're not, they're not in a toxic environment. I'm like, maybe if you just learn, maybe just push you a little bit to be a little bit more yourself in your workplace, at least you could find out if it's a fit or not. You don't really know because the mask is so big and th- so thick and you're such a different person in the office. Yep. You don't even really know if you're a fit there or not. Maybe you don't hate it. Maybe you don't really hate the job. You just hate not being able to be yourself and let's see what happens and you move in that direction you'll get some clarity and if it's what you don't want to be doing fine let's just let's go figure out what you want to be doing but maybe it's not so bad maybe it's just that you've been hiding so hard and putting up so many masks that you can't stand being in the environment because you just feel like constricted and almost suffocating in that job but that's such a key core to this is we become numb to the constriction Right. We know it's there because every once in a while, it's like, I, I'm just going to leave. I'm done. I do. But then, oh, wait, the money. I know because I, I did walk away finally from like corporate life. And I said, I'm going to do my own thing. I am going to do my own thing. And I have been up until a year ago. And then I kind of got a sweet deal where I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of good. I get to coach, which I love doing. Number one, I get to have flexibility to keep doing my business. However much I want to work. I mean, I'm going to be working quote unquote full-time for this other (coughs) company, but Hey, let's try this. And yet I had to really let go of wait. Okay. Here's who I am. I'm I'm Mr. Independent, Mr. Entrepreneur. And I'm like, okay, well, that's still who I am. I'm just shifting into another piece of the puzzle here. And yeah, I had to go through like, okay, well, the income potential kind of 
I know kind of shifted back and forth. And now it's like, Oh, I'm doing even better than I thought I would do. But it's, it's an interesting place for most guys because this piece of success is so grounded into who we are as men and then add on for sure the gay man perspective of, Oh, to be really noticed in the gay community, I have to have this and this and this and this, which is a story of course. And to be a gay man in the workplace, I have to excel. You know, I think that's something that women and gay men have in common. I have to be 20%, 30%, 40% better than my straight male colleagues, especially if I'm out to get yep. the same recognition. Cause I'm yep. less than, yep. no, you're not. Yep. You just think you are. It's a story. You just think you are. And if that's true, there's a moment that we go, okay, we need to get you the heck out of there because that is not a place you need to be. Mm-hmm. But well, most no, of the time, you discover that it's not true. It's your own hiding that's making you believe mm-hmm. that that's happened. It's not necessarily a toxic environment. Right? And, and sometimes I think we don't give credit where credit is due that you can become that person in that workspace. You're just the one that's holding yourself back. And what you think you will need to experience and create is maybe what you think you need to create and experience, but that's just because that's a benchmark that you've like created. That's some fantasy Disney princess sort of thing when that may not be actually what you really want. You know, I, I come across this all the time in the other work that I do because I coach speakers who are building their speaking business and they're all gung ho kind of like coaches. <laughs> So I know you and I both come across this. Oh, I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to change lives. Okay. And I'm not making fun of coaches because we're both coaches, but I've seen it over and over. And then suddenly the reality sets in. Same thing with speakers. Oh, I'm going to speak and I'm going to impact lives. I'm going to influence, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Hey, guess what? It's a business. Yeah. It's a business. There's books that have to be kept. There's money that's got to get transacted. There's marketing that's got to get done. <laughs> exactly. It's like, you got you got to stand on the corner like a cheap hoe sometimes to go, hello, let me show you Good my goods. Here. Please, please come. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, it's so fascinating because then suddenly the stories start. And then if you don't have the right story in place, you're going to fail. And I see this with a lot of the guys that I've worked with too, that are like in midlife, like got to do something now. I've got to have my passion and my purpose, but you know, I'm making $200,000 a year and that passion and purpose got to make me $200,000 a year right out the gate. I'm like, and then this could. whole purpose thing. Ugh. Okay. You know what? Seriously. Yes. There are rare <laughs> individuals on the planet who've been given a very specific person purpose yes. and that's all they do their whole life. And you know what? That's all they have their whole life as well. Pretty much completely out of balance, just into that. That's what they do. I have a, a, a an aunt who brilliant, brilliant, brilliant woman, amazing mathematician, but that's all she was. Her life was a freaking mess, still isn't it? Like, it's just unbelievable because it's all she was, right? So that's not really, you know, purpose is about, and passion are about things that, that you want to do now. And they grow and they change and they shift. Like how much, how different is your coaching business now than it was when it started? Mine's dramatically different. I was working with women. Totally different. You know, totally different. And the more, and I know it's going to be different two years from now and five Mm -hmm. years from now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's what I want. Because that, your purpose is a growing, evolving pathway. It's not a thing. You know, it's not a destination. It's not a one single thing that you do for the rest of your life and gives you, it's like that one guy that you have for the rest of your life and gives you everything. It's it's just not the way life works. You know, the diversity and the option to grow and evolve through what you're doing is the point. 
And it's also another example of your purpose and your passion is not a one and done. Just like coming out is not a one and done. I come out every freaking day, somehow, some way to somewhere and someone, you know, maybe, maybe not in the last couple of days. Cause I haven't left the house in two days, <laughs> but, but no, I do because I mean, okay, actually I take that back because I was speaking with some brand new coaching clients in the speaking stuff. And I'm like, so yeah, when I speak to college and university about being a gay man, it's like, I just put it out there now. I'm like, I am not hiding this, you know? It's like, okay, well, I just came out again. And I just, and passion and purpose is the same thing. It, and I love what you just said, Brian, because my coaching business is dramatically different. I still coach. It's just dramatically different than what it looked like, you know, in 2009 when I started this whole thing. The same thing of my entrepreneurial journey is dramatically different now than it was in 2006. And I don't think we as individuals, but then I'm going to go back and, you know, let's slap that label on as gay men. We don't allow ourselves that levity and that grace to realize we're an ever-evolving species, always. You cannot just say, okay, I'm out, I'm queer, I'm here. Okay, we can. But if you hold yourself in that space and then expect that everything to happen the same way, and we're, we're men of a certain age, so we're like, yeah, <laughs> the gay bar scene was totally different, boys and girls, like 20-some years ago. Trust us. It was a whole different ball game. I'm not going to say better necessarily, but it was definitely different. Our yeah, community exactly. is very different. Everything's different and everything will continue to be different. And, you know, we're probably the first generation that got to experience the escalation of society and culture at the, at the speed that it's going now. Right. Yep. And yeah, guess what? It's going to continue happening. And we just, you know, get on the train and go for the ride and have some fun. Like there's so much opportunity and possibility and who knows where all of this could possibly go. And why not? get on it rather than trying to sit back here going, no, this is who I am and I'm right. not going to shift and I'm not going to change and I'm not going to grow. Cause this is, you know, just like, you know, just like my dad, mm -hmm. same guy he was 30 years ago. Well, not totally, but you know, but yeah, more or less, the, right? Yeah. More or less. Like, yeah. yeah. Of course your relationship lasted forever. You guys haven't changed. <laughs> so fascinating. So I'm curious as we get ready to wrap it up here. Um, I'm just so curious. What's something that you feel like, and this is like every evolving too, but what's something you feel like you've learned about yourself as a coach? Honestly, I think the biggest thing is when I have really powerful, deep success with a client, I'm having really powerful, deep success with me. The universe sends the most difficult client, most not difficult, most challenging deep work that I've done with clients mm -hmm. has been challenging deep work that I needed to do with myself. I think that's the bit. And, and I love that about the journey coaching because yeah. I get to continue doing it. I get to change and watch people evolve, but I recognize my own evolution is completely tied with them. We're on that journey together and I get to grow as well. And that's just the brilliant piece of it. Right. Yeah. I always, I always marvel at the end of the, you know, sessions, even, even, you know, even the coaching sessions I do with professional speakers, cause it's, it's, it's kind of, similar every time because it's like okay well you need to be doing this and you need to be doing but i always marvel when i come out of any coaching session how many times i'm like hmm <laughs> hmm <laughs> because it's like oh that struck a chord with me i mean i said something to a, a, a private client today and i was like i literally wrote it down like you need to examine this in yourself mm -hmm. even though i was like 
being very inquisitive and being very open and active listening and everything. I was like, that struck a chord. You need to, you know, go explore this with yourself. And I did I, like right after the session was done, I sat there for about 15 minutes. Just like, why did that strike the chord with you? What did they reflect back to you that, you know, you need to be looking at in your own life, Rick. And what is it you want to do with it? And, and if you do something with it, what do you hope to get from it? You know, which I just did like a, a whole coaching session there in like 30 seconds, but um, <laughs> it was really powerful. And then, Two hours later, I'm on a call with like a, a professional speaking client and they said something that I was like, oh, that's interesting. I should probably do that too. You know, Not, and this is the thing that I hope anybody who's listening and like considering coaching and, you know, <clears throat> being open to like, hey, the reason I bring other coaches on is I really don't even want to pretend that I could coach everybody in the freaking world. My God, for I would die. I would literally die from coaching but i think it's interesting to have people like you brian on because you can see hey where where could they learn something more or or who could i put somebody with because it's the nuances of the coach i mean i i picked up stuff just in our conversations today like i like i like this conversation with brian he, he, we think a lot alike but i could see the nuance of ooh, he'd be really good with this kind of person Versus me. I feel the like, same way. Yeah. It's like, we've got this, you know, we have similar ideas. We have similar approaches, mm -hmm. but as people, we're very different and we come from right. very different backgrounds, very different perspectives. And you're right. It's like, I love meeting other coaches because sometimes I just know this wonderful man in front of me is not really the right fit for me to work with them and having someone else to go, hold on, you know what? I really like you. I really see this path forward for you, but this is the guy you should talk to because you yeah. and I, it's not going to work. We're just right. not, we're just not jiving well enough to make that happen. And I think that's a huge piece of self-awareness, which to me is what coaching and stepping into any kind of personal development is about is like starting to really become more self-aware and go, yes, here's what I see the essence of me being. And to articulate that, wow, what a, what a huge thing to be able to do. Yeah. Trust me, 20 years ago, I, could say what I thought I was, but I can definitively say a whole lot more now. This is who Rick is. This is what he believes. This is how he chooses to show up in the world. And this is why I unapologetically will just be like, I'm out here in the open. I don't hide. I refuse to hide anymore. That's one of my big things. It's like very little that I, I will hide. Well, maybe my, my muffin top and my spandex, <laughs> but... <laughs> But um, so if somebody wants to connect up with you, man, I, we're going to have all this, of course, on the show page, like we always do. But I always like to have you shout out your website and everything, just so if somebody wants to like, oh, I like Brian better than Rick. Rick's an asshole. Brian seems like a really sweet guy. <laughs> just go to gayguru.coach, exactly the way it sounds. And that's Very how cool. you can get a hold of me. And uh, yeah. This has been fun, man. I love it. It has been a lot of fun. Really we'll have to do this again. And, For um, sure. Yeah, it would be great. And again, guys, if you're looking to like do anything in your world that you're like, I just, I'm not getting there. Coaching is probably one of the things you should explore and give yourself permission to go do it. Because the more you don't give yourself the permission to go find something and do something, the more unhappy you're truly going to be. So um, once again, guys, thanks for being here for 40 plus gay men, gay talk. Don't forget to join us for our once a month talks that we do on the first Monday of each month. And go out there and dump your excuses, face your fears, and keep living your unapologetic life. 
Take care. That's a wrap for 40 Plus. Gay men, gay talk, where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men, Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.